Assalamu alaikum, brothers and sisters. It's Fuck, America's. That was, intro. that was gonna be my nickname. <laughs> it's okay. You, I, I know you got another one in that in the back yeah, in the back I pocket. Do. I do. Uh, it's uh, <laughs> it's America's most mercenary podcast, the Pod People. I'm Matisse Van Rossum, and I'm smoking on that shaman pack. I'm Ben Sheets, and I'm blasting that smooth jazz in my headphones. Hi, I'm the Sleep Wizard, Cleveland Mosier. How's it going? <laughs> That's why I knew you were going to use. That's why I didn't take it from you. It's good. <laughs> this week's episode, uh, we're talking about a Patreon pick. Um, comes courtesy of our honorary podboy, Sam Simon, who has chosen the film Saloom for us to talk about. It is a uh, Senegalese film directed by Jean-Luc Herbulot. I don't, I don't know. I think that's how you pronounce it. Um, With the uh, and all of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, just because just because it's Africa doesn't mean they can't. <laughs> uh, right. No, beyond that, I don't want to put too much stank on his name because my man can direct. <laughs> it's a it's a language frame of mind. Um, yeah, th- well, this movie was on the festival circuit in 2021, did really, really well, got big acclaim. Um, it is a, a Shudder original, and it started streaming on Shudder last year in 2022. And it is a, a sort of uh, action heist horror hybrid. I remember hearing some buzz about it, but didn't get around till, to it until Sam recommended it. And, uh, and you know what? I liked this movie. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. You know, uh, it definitely starts as more of a crime thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, but I love how it takes a turn about halfway through. It's one of those big, you know, left turn kind of movies. Not not quite as dramatic as something like From Dust Till Dawn or something like that. But uh, it kept me uh, curious about where it was going to go. You know, in the same... In the same spirit, yeah. yeah well, Cleve, I, I think I think you you really liked this movie, didn't you? Huh? Because we I, watched I it together it. last night, and then you went home and watched it again. Yeah, I showed it to my friends as soon as I got home. I I loved it. Uh, in I can describe this movie in two words: swagged out. This movie is just dripping. It's it's so it's so fucking full of swag. Our protagonists are swagged out. The other characters are pretty swagged out. It's just. The style of this movie is is fun. It's very Guy Ritchie, Tarantino-esque. I loved it. Um, the sudden genre shift um, personally reminded me a little bit of Predator, actually. Because Predator mm. starts as like an action adventure movie. Sure. And, you know, becomes a horror monster film by, by the, the latter half. I think the, uh, the action adventure stuff at the beginning of this film and the horror stuff is very different. But structurally, a lot of similar vibes. Um, you've got three mercenaries on a mission, and the mission is interrupted inevitably by a monster, and that's that's Predator. So I think I think this movie pulled from a whole myriad of things and aesthetics that I love, but I think have largely been done to death, and it was super refreshing to see them done in a new way again. I said it to Tease while we were watching the movie. I think I would have really loved this movie in high school, like like as a, as a youth, like really getting into action movies and horror movies. This is one of those rare instances where I look at it and I'm like, oh my god, this was so me in like 2010, but I think this is me in 2023 too. I, I love it now, like, you know, with a more, you know, like more exposed palette and more refined tastes. It's still we're, fucking- uh, 
were you feeling nostalgic for our high school obsession with District B13? Yeah, dude. No, absolutely. <laughs> I knew, I knew exactly that, what you were talking about. That, that, I, I have watched that fairly recently. It's not aged. Um, great. Uh, I cannot imagine, ever, so. If it was ever that great, you know, uh, to begin with, but... The movie does also have swagged out characters in it. And I will say uh, this movie is, you know, following that same trend where, yeah, you like, know, uh, the, the I, classic uh, parkour action movie. Yes. <laughs> I have to and say this might be District B-13 Ultimatum as well. I never saw that one. It's oh, okay. gosh. A sequel. Oh, I, I have to say this might be the first uh, African horror movie I, I think I've ever seen. My knowledge of African cinema is pretty limited, but most of the the movies I have seen are either art house type of stuff or um, like Wakaliwood action movies. Yeah, I, I think Wakaliwood Captain would Alex up at some point. I think okay. um, beyond general setting, I think this movie and Wakaliwood films have. <laughs> it's not exactly who killed Captain Alex. <laughs> no, um, no, but you know, I will say. The the one similarity they do have is, like, regardless of their budget limitations, they do swing for the fences. Yes. And there's something really admirable to that. I think this movie has pretty good budget and production quality. And honestly, the the CG effects in the second half, not as bad as I was expecting. I don't um, like They kind of reminded me of the smoke monster from Lost. Um, yeah, d- design design aesthetic is a is a different thing, and I think we can talk about that a little later because I I I I do uh, share some of your feelings there. But I think if we're just talking like strictly the quality of the CG, it's like not as cheap as I suspect it actually was. Yeah. Um, not as cheap looking as it actually was. Well, that's the um, thing; they probably excelled beyond what their budget was. You know, just yeah. By- making the most of what they had. Well, yeah, yeah, I really think, like, even for making the most or not, like, they, they hide they hide it really well. And, mm-hmm. like, frankly, like, whenever it is fully on screen and apparent, I thought it looked dandy. And I, I don't like particle monsters. I think it's normally kind of a... It's cheap. Um, but in this it's, case... Like, it's I, done I like to death, mind. yeah. Yeah, it is done to death. But here, like, I, I thought they were doing something, like, unique and original enough with it. Like, they kind of have horns there you can see that like there was like a figure moving beneath it and that's cool i i I really it's like half formed into a person and it felt like it had more weight to it i think because they actually had like stand-in actors like performing it that makes a big difference to me they weren't just like acting you know against like thin air like there were they still had like they felt like figures moving Mm -hmm. around and that i think that's enough for me like uh and i thought the design and honestly i think like the effects like didn't didn't look that cheap there's only two shots where it's just the particles like flying around that look a little cheap. Yeah, but, I'm kind of, I'm I'm over that kind of shit. Um, yeah, like and honestly, they could have just cut this from the film and it would have been fine. But like the monster on its own, I thought looked dandy. Um, I was pretty pretty pleased. Um, well, we're we're jumping way ahead of ourselves. Let's start by setting up our uh, main team of characters. Oh yeah, yeah. So what? the the film takes place in 2003. Um. And it is set during the uh, military coup of uh, Guinea-Bissau. And it's about uh, three mercenaries who are uh, sent in to sort of uh, to extract a Mexican drug lord and a big briefcase full of gold. 
to get him out of the country during the coup. Uh, they're flying in their plane. They realize the plane has been sabotaged and they have to make an emergency landing um, in the Saloum region of Senegal. One, the leader of the mercenaries is like, hey, you know, I spent some time here as a kid. I know somewhere where we can go to get fuel uh, and resin to fix, you know, to patch the, the the gas tank of the plane. So let's go and we'll hunker down there for a few days and things will be cool. And they get there and, you know, turns out things are not so cool. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yes, the, the mercenaries are mercenaries are fucking swagged the fuck out. So so this whole movie is so stylish, um, but uh, particularly these fucking awesome characters. Yeah. Chaka and his hyenas. Yeah. They're, yeah. They even have, like, a cool calling card with this dope, like... It's a literal It's a literal uh, card with a hyena yeah, yeah. on it. Yeah, <laughs> it's a literal hyena, calling card yeah. they leave behind. Like, like, some sacred geometry and stuff. It looks fucking sick. That whole opening sequence is, is just fucking rules. Um, pretty complex shot, too. Like, them going down the street, like, after there's been, like, already a huge massacre. They're, they're wearing, like, hoods so we can't see them yet. So we don't know if they're heroes, villains, what's happening. But the street is just littered with bodies. I mean, a shitload of extras. They open up their briefcase of gold, and they take their hoods off, and we see just how fucking cool they are. Um, uh, and we get, like, freeze frames, you know, sort of, like, breaking down who they are and what's going on. Very Guy Ritchie-esque. Movies have, have sort of aged Guy Ritchie to death, but I felt like this film brought enough of its own style to it. Um, yeah, this movie actually reminded me a lot of Three Kings, the the one decent david o russell film <laughs> yeah equally stylish for sure yeah equally stylish similar in premise you know have these three sort of anti-hero military protagonists um who are you know after a big score or something um but yeah so so we've got we've got shaka who is the leader um, we've got Rafa, who is, uh, he, he's like the big sort of muscly dude. He's got this, uh, fucking awesome, like bleached beard, yeah, <laughs> uh, and a, and a mohawk. Aviators. Yeah. yeah. Mohawk. Big yeah. aviators. And then, uh, m- we've got Minui, who is, uh, a sleep wizard. So fucking he's, cool. He's got like super long white dreadlocks and a white beard and... Yeah, he's just he's so and he, he, his whole deal is like he has he has like what I'm assuming is like rose hips, like crushed um sleeping powder and he like blows it into people's faces and they they pass out immediately and it's fucking yeah. bad. It's it's cool. Yeah. It's like I I've seen it like in plenty of other movies, but I sw- I swear to god it's so fucking cool every time he does it. And he's and he serves as sort of like uh he's he's a sort of shamanistic kind of character too, yeah. you know. He He's the the one who's like the most in touch with like the the spiritual aspects of the story that you know really come in later once the the supernatural elements are revealed. Something what I, like... I love about these three characters is like the way they set them up is really stylish and simple, but like as the movie goes on, like they are really rounded out and yes, yes. Know, they become very multi dimensional, which is nice. Yeah, you really you really feel for these guys. Um, in some cases, more than like the Marines in Predator. I mean, you're not really supposed to for like a lot of the the guys in Predator, but here, like these guys, these are, are much like, more fleshed out characters than the, yeah. Than you the, sympathize than... with them a lot. Yeah. Um, and I I really appreciated that. It's super fucking neat. What I like too about like the world building is it's set 
during like very real believable events in a believable era so the like their friend being a shaman it it feels more like an aesthetic at first like yeah he's he's into shamanism um and like there are accounts of like in south africa like uh burglars using like crushed rose hips and stuff to like blow in people's faces before they like steal steal from their homes and shit like it is a thing that people have done in the past so like that's believable like the fact that he's like quote like a sleep wizard um and so there's nothing that tells us that this isn't just set in the real world that there isn't like necessarily magical realism it's just that they're really into this character's just really into witchcraft stuff as an aesthetic or shamanism you know like uh, until later on. Yeah, I mean, I, I get. I think yeah, there's yeah. very real spirituality behind it for the character, and you know, I'm willing to to say, you know, personally, very ignorant of the uh, the cultural and historical uh, aspects of this part of the world. So, I'm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm not uh in a position to to speak on how realistic any of that stuff is. Um but, but like and, and up to the point where like when supernatural things do happen it's still kind of a surprise. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Um yeah, more thoughts on that later. later yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so they they have to make an emergency landing in their little plane. They hike a long way to this uh this sort of like little commune um, right on the river delta that uh, is, you know, run by this group of people who sort of serve as like humanitarian, like stewards of the region. I think something like that. Like also a travel they, area, right? Well, yeah, people come, people pass through, and they offer like free room and board to people who are staying there. It's like you just have to help out with the tasks around the camp and stuff like that. But they do stuff like they, you know, they deliver supplies to like local villages um you know they're keeping track of like the bird population on like this island out in the delta um you know we see shaka and like the main guy like going down to the the river to like stop poachers you know um so their their goals are sort of like wide and varied um, yeah, they're they're sort of like regional uh, regional stewards, I you I guess, and it's like it's run by like this one guy Omar who is uh, sort of a uh, you know friendly, affable older man uh, who's been here for a long time, uh, and you know is is very is is kind enough to let them in and you know like let them stay and and so on and so forth, but. Everything is not as it seems, shall we yeah. say. Yeah, well, I, I love the dinner scene, you know, right after they introduce the camp. Mm-hmm. You know, they're invited to a dinner with everyone else. So we I know think. everybody who's staying there in this area. Yeah, but, you know, there's so much development and tension with that, within that dinner, you know. Uh, I think one of, my, one of my favorite tropes in uh, thrillers is kind of, hidden or disguised identities when mm. you know people are pretending to be people they're not and uh, yeah they work in the they work in the nearby gold mine is what they is, is what cool. they say yeah. because while they're doing their introductions around the table um which of course are their, their false identities um chaka is is he's introducing everyone and each time he names someone uh their real name comes up with a with a slash through it and then it's their fake name next to it and i uh, like in text great. on screen. I, I thought that was fun, really yeah. 
so yeah, at that at that scene, we're introduced to another couple of important characters. Um, we we meet uh, this sort of young punk woman, uh, Awa, I think uh, oh. is her name. Awa. She is a deaf mute, but uh, all of the hyenas speak sign language, and she reveals that she knows exactly who they are. Their reputation precedes them. Um, they're they're very infamous in the region. Um, and so that, that's a great bit of tension during that whole scene where she is like, she and Shaka are conversing in sign language and she's like threatening is like, Hey, I want to come with you when you leave here. If not, I'm going to fucking rat you out and tell everybody who you are. And everybody else around the table is kind of like, Hey, like, do you want to let us in on this conversation? It's like, Nope. I love, I love like Chaka just has this cool, confident smile, like this open mouth smile as he he continues to like talk to her. They kind of projecting like everything's fine. Don't you guys worry yeah. about it? While they're talking about like whether or not they're gonna like rat them out, and it's that's where I um this scene and the next dinner scene are to me like the most like Tarantino y, where there's mm-hmm. like multiple yeah. motives going on. Something might happen. You don't know when. There's you know kind of that. That, that that really nice like tension of being of giving yourself away you know like obviously tarantino like pulls from a lot of like old spy movies and stuff that do the same thing and i yeah i i love it well, i really love um seeing a a sign language like conversation like played out so dramatically too like it's just yeah the 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 editing is really nice and you can really keep like it keeps all the balls in the air really well and it feels good and makes the characters look cool and it's tense it's great yeah it was really fun really rich well, and then they let they they double the tension again in the same scene where right after this we have another character introduced, and it's like, oh, this is the fucking uh, the this is the fucking uh, police captain of like the nearby city. So it's like there's this girl who's like threatening to rat them out, and like the law is here as well. So it just like doubles that threat. Um, it's like, okay, we gotta make sure that this girl does not rat us the fuck out or we're in trouble. And it's like, the other the other two are kind of like, you know, you said we were gonna fucking lay low here and relax for a couple of days and everything would be okay. And now we're having to deal with this punk who's threatening to rat us out and this fucking police captain here who could, you know, arrest us or kill us really ratchets up the stakes well because they're there with the the drug lord too right the mexican the mexican drug lord and they've got uh well they know they don't have it they before they go there they bury the suitcase full of uh of comically large gold bricks Uh it's very tense scene i that was one of my favorite parts of the movie actually yeah yeah that was that's probably my favorite scene I, i i think it's very stylish and again i'd love how the tension plays out with the conversation and sign language. I've never quite seen something like that in a movie before. And I think mm. it's really well executed. Yeah, mm. and in all that, we also are introduced to our entire core cast. Like, so we've got our three yeah. mercenaries, the Mexican drug lord, um, the, the head of the camp, his assistant as well, um, uh, two other people staying at the camp, which are like a musician and his ex-girlfriend, or now collaborator is what they say. And uh, then the police captain and the deaf girl. So, like, it's a full group, um, a.k.a. plenty of bodies. Uh, and, um, yep. uh, yeah, and they, they head off on their own ways. We also notice that, like, 
right before that scene, um, when they first, like, a little after they first arrive, uh, Rafa makes a note that, like, he's been here before, and that he knows Omar, and Omar says, oh, I don't recognize you. Um, and so, more on that later, but, uh, Shaka, Shaka does, not Rafa. Shaka, yeah, yeah, sorry, yeah. my bad. And, uh, people run out of, like, one of the other lodges, and he, he kind of runs off and deals with that and comes back and says, hey, so we've got some more rooms for you now. Um, so assumingly something, like, kind of weird or nefarious happens, we don't know what, they have their dinner, and they head back to their cabins. I really like this, too, like, on their way back to the cabins, like, Chaka, um, intercepts Awa, and they kind of continue their, their, their argument. So, yeah, the next day, they all get their assigned tasks, and they all go out to, you know, do their own things, they're, they're paired off, so we get a number of scenes, uh, like, Rafa and Awa go off together the the drug lord and the police chief have their tasks together and we get that scene where the police chief is like hey i know who you are i know who they are um at dinner tonight like i my men are already in position they're gonna swarm the place and you're all fucked so you know Get ready for that, motherfucker. <laughs> um, Shaka and Omar go off, and they have their little thing at the uh, down at the river where they take BB guns and they like shoot at tourists who are trying to like use explosives to fish in the river. Um, yeah, there's a couple of conversations throughout the movie about like tourists and poachers and stuff sort of encroaching in on like Senegal mm-hmm. and what that means for who like they talk about it at the dinner table before like the sign language conversation as well and then they kind of follow that up with doing the uh, uh hunting the poachers with bb guns the next mm-hmm. day and so we get kind of a a really nice like apparent bonding moment between uh chaka and omar um as omar reveals that he used to be a mercenary as well um, yeah so they sort they, of, they sort of soldiers yeah both as former soldiers they short sort of uh, discuss like the all of the different you know countries where they've seen battle so on and so forth um and sort of like develop a you know seemingly a mutual respect but uh yeah then that's you know followed up by another dinner scene which is uh, a- another fantastic scene I love um, it because for this one we know going in oh yeah the cops they're going to swarm the table at some point you know like right really wonderful like that's just hanging in the air over the whole scene. And again, Tarantino-esque, you know, there's that, that bit of tension, you know, throughout all that dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's really good. Well, and the way that it's subverted, too. Because oh, um, the cops do not come in because, you know, it's revealed that Shaka knew they were there all along and the night before went out and bribed them with a big brick of gold to, like, fuck off and leave the 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 chief behind. And then Shaka has his big reveal that the time I spent in this region was when I was a child soldier, when I was 11, and I was under this uh, this commander who they called General Remington because of his, uh, Colonel Remington, because of his, uh, his big Remington pistol that he uses. Um, and that was Omar... And that, you know, Omar was raping him and a bunch of the other, like, child soldiers. And uh, so that he has orchestrated all of this to come back for revenge. 
But it's great um, because as a child, I mean, we, we, we cut back to this several times. Like uh, Omar, or sorry, Chaka has a fear of rivers, so when they cross the river into the settlement, um, he uh, Minui puts him to sleep, and we dream of it then. At the very beginning of the film, we see this small child with this huge pistol, like, walking out into the lake. Um, glorious shot, too, with the moon over it. Mm-hmm. Um, some Elden yeah. Ring shit. It looked awesome. Uh, and... Uh, we we know that there's something to do with like his childhood and something happened at some point. But, yeah, yeah. I love that in that reveal we see the young boy um like knock out or hit Omar and steal his pistol and run away with it and cross the water. So like Omar returns now with the pistol to with the pistol steal Colonel Remington with his Remington. Yeah, just <laughs> sick. Um, he's also been wearing these super dope red gloves throughout the movie, and at the opening dinner scene he says. You know, oh, I just like to wear these to keep my hands clean. Um, but during that sequence, during that monologue, he takes them off, and we see that he has two R's branded onto his his, his mm-hmm. hands. And those those gloves too; those red gloves are fucking sick. Again, very swag. Iconic, out. yeah. Uh, fucking yeah. Yeah. Well, this is like the big turning point of the movie. This is probably about halfway through, I guess. The movie's yeah. not super long; it's like eighty-four minutes, I think. Yeah, this is like fully halfway into the movie. And it's like, oh no, now uh, Colonel Remington is dead, and all of a sudden, uh, spooky hell breaks loose for some reason, which we find out. And this is when the all the horror stuff comes in. And you know what? I'm going to say it. I never thought I would say it, especially on this podcast. This is like the one time where I kind of wish the movie didn't turn into a horror movie. <laughs> Yeah, I I kind of agree, to be honest, because I I, I found the crime thriller revenge story of it all uh, a little more compelling. Yes. And I feel like the folk horror monster kind of distracted from that a bit. Yeah, well, I mean, it 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 just sort of ends that for the most part, you know, like there's still there's still some some through line with like shaka dealing with his trauma but like it it just becomes like a very different film all of a sudden and i yeah i i was so like engaged with the like crime thriller story that was going on it like the sudden introduction of like demons like halfway through the movie even though i knew going into it as a horror movie obviously like it's it's jarring you know and it just becomes something like totally different and i feel like kind of generic like not bad per se but See, that's the that's the one thing where i would slightly disagree because i i i feel like conceptually it's pretty interesting in like how they the the spirit or monster takes your senses one by one Sure. So they they have to you know have he- they all wear headphones and like blast music so they they uh, aren't susceptible. That was cool and unique. Um, though it it kind of reminded me of like Bird Box a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> I was actually going to the same thing. Cooler than Bird Box for sure. Yeah. Um, okay. When did Bird Box come out compared to this? Uh, before this, like uh. it. Bird Box came out in like 2020, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of cool. I I feel like it. They kind of like they kind of have like a big exposition dump where they just like all in one scene explain like the nature of the haunting or whatever, and like okay, Remington was 
keep it. He had made a, a bargain, some kind of bargain with the spirits so that they wouldn't kill people. And that when he was killed, now they're all unleashed or whatever. I don't know. It just it just felt so sudden. It's just like, oh, like we, we don't have time to like really develop this like we're already halfway through the movie so we gotta just like jump right into it and then like have one big scene where we explain it all so then we can you know get on with it and like it's conceptually kind of cool and like yeah i think the monsters look look kind of neat they're like the other particle monsters but they're like they're like flies which is cool yeah swarms of flies which I think is neat. You have a good point, though, because like the the idea and concept of the monster is so high concept. They they kind of need to explain it in some form because it's really hard to show and not tell for something like that, especially if you're doing it. You know, if you're introducing it so quickly, so like they're kind of stuck in a place where they have to kind of sloppily. Yeah, there's the thing is, like I don't think it was super. It's it, it's fast. It's jarring for sure. But like I don't, I do think that there were enough. Like there were some tiny things, um, that without context all feel just like part of the world, like part of a regular world, like without magical realism or anything. But with context, make a lot more sense. Um, I think you know when when Minwi goes to deliver the goods to the the nearby village, we see that like the the men of that village have had like their ears like cauterized shut, um, and like there's a there's a cut to that that's like pretty apparent. It's like oh that's weird, you know. Um, and uh, like at the very beginning of the movie, when we see the kid walking off into like something like kind of pulls him down into the water, mm-hmm. and we know we know that like there's something happening um but uh that it's super like not that it's supernatural right like um but suddenly oh yeah these these creatures steal your senses they'll steal your senses if you they whisper their names into your ear right um so yeah of course this nearby village has like seared their ears shut and shit you know and um omar was like the person who like struck a pact with like this demon king and um you know was like holding them back essentially by like feeding them children we find out um, yeah, they kind of just tell us all this, you know? Like, we don't really see it or anything. Right. Well, I like at least it's told, like, in an interrogation, right? Like, by... Yeah, um, I, it is It is all one... It is all one big dump. It feels like kind of a lot. Um, like, I, I almost feel like I missed some some things, just because, like, it's, it's so much all at once. Because um, they really have to get to the meat of it. And it's like... Yeah, there's some there's some stuff ahead of time that like sort of foreshadows it, but it's the kind of thing where I feel like if I went into this movie not knowing that it was like a supernatural horror film, which is basically all I knew about it going into it. If I if I went into this like knowing absolutely nothing, um I feel like I would be like so taken aback by the introduction of the supernatural in the second half of this movie if I didn't have that expectation going in. Like it's just, it's just so sudden, yeah. and I and think it, I, a sudden switch from like chocolate to strawberry is kind yeah. of yeah because like the chocolate was really good, like it was a really good flavor yeah. of of action drama like uh chocolate and then like suddenly it's like oh no that's gone now it's strawberry it's like oh this is also good but 
I was really enjoying that yeah. chocolate. Like, I know what you mean. For sure. It's it's also it's also kind of a thing where like I and again maybe this is something I missed in the exposition dump because it was so much, but it it felt it felt kind of weird. <laughs> it felt kind of weird that like the demons could just be shot and stabbed to death. So to me, like it I mean like I understand that like in the way these characters are set up, you know, they're like badass mercenaries and it's like an action horror movie. So you've got to have the action, but it's like when they go to the village later, they are just like running around like doing like splinter cell like knife yeah. take takedowns yeah. on me, like, on, like, like monsters weird. made of flies and I was just like I was like I don't really understand how this works. Like, so, it's kind of cool, I guess. They're not. I mean, that just felt rule of cool. Like, you know, it it was cool, so they did it. You know, it doesn't have to make the most sense. So it does. Yeah. They're not actually made of flies. Um, like, the whispering kind of stuff is very reminiscent of, like, fly cloud monsters in other movies. But they are, like, it's ash in the air. It's like ash and cinder. And they're, like, forming these, like, zombie bodies. They're, like, you know, like, of people who are, like, crossed to the other side. It's But it's all buzzing. They're all buzzing like flies. I'm, I think it's flies. I mean, yeah, like, you can see, like, in the closer shots and stuff that it is, like, ash and cinder. Because it's, like, even still, like, cotton. I mean, there's some, there's some glowy, there's, like, some glowy bits in there. But they're, they move, like, like, insects flying around and they buzz. Like... I think it's both. I, th- I think they're I'm, they are. I mean, regardless, like the the fact that you can stab and shoot these sort of corporeal entities, whether they're flies or ash, yeah, it's like is kind of silly. But it's again, a little weird. It, yeah, I mean, it, I'm willing to kind of yeah, like again, really cool, and I'm willing to kind of put it aside as like, oh, you can only hit them when they're corporeal or whatever, because like that's when they're formed and they attack. Because yeah, whenever they exactly. are, like, like swarm, I said, you know, like. They're they're leaning into the strengths of action horror. I do think, you know, taking away the ability to stab or shoot these creatures might have forced them to be a little more creative. Yeah, uh, I think it would have been kind of I think it would have been kind of interesting to see that see like what these characters do when they're put in a position where they can't protect themselves with a they can't protect themselves with a knife or a gun like they're used to you know they're like the bad they're like the most badass of the badass right so take away their their weapons and then what do they do like i think that's a little bit more interesting um like them running around the village and like doing fucking CQC takedowns, <laughs> like it's it's cool. Like I I don't have a problem with it. I just I it's just it's just a little it's a little weird. I thought it was a little weird. I like um, it. I like um uh, yeah. To me, like it, it works. Like you know the I like it in a vacuum. Clouds, I guess when the clouds flying around, like they they don't really attack the protagonists. They try to like whisper into their ears as the cloud, but they can't actually like hurt them until they're they're corporeal until they've like taken form right and um and so then then like the the levels the the playing field is even or some stupid shit but um yeah. i don't know i wouldn't like one of my favorite like little sequences in the movie is when uh the the police chief it, it runs out and he's taken by one of them and then uh another one grabs rafa and chaka split for a second and then he 
he fires his pistol at it, and there's this really cool, like, this is really nice, like, clean editing where you get this, he lifts his pistol up, and there's a micro shot of, like, him pulling the hammer back, and then we cut back out to him firing, and it's really seamless, and it looks good. It's, like, a cheap thing you can do, like, on any production budget, but, like, it, it just, I don't know, like, it felt really good, and, like, the timing of it is nice, and it, it's just, um, it's very, uh, I get a lot of Western vibes out of this movie, also, with, like, the flat yeah, sure. landscapes, yeah. and the big, like, sandy river backgrounds, and them walking behind, with the sun behind them. Um, I mean, it's, he has a big Remington, and, like, he's wearing, like, the leather gloves, so it, it all feels very, uh, and the music, too, like, it, it kind of comes in and out of being, like, like, traditional, like, rhythms of the area, and then, like, any, almost any Morricone, like, western stuff, and, uh, and then some, like, EDM beats in there as well, like, the, the score, we haven't talked about the score for this movie, fucking, it's banger after banger, really good. I love all yeah. the track. Yeah, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. And again, like, so, like, they're doing these CQCs to, like, this really cool music, like, this, like, really cool, like, hybrid these really cool hybrid tracks and stuff and i thought it i thought it worked well enough you know it's one of those things where i wouldn't have a problem with it if it if like there was no element of the supernatural involved and these were just like goons who were running like a fucking like child slavery kind of ring and they had to you know go in and get them out like then it would it would all be it would all be hunky dory it's not a big deal i don't have a huge problem with it it's just it's it's such a it's such a strange tonal shift for what the first half of the movie is. Oh yeah, um, I certainly don't disagree with like you having that problem with it. Um, it's even you know whether or not it's like it's it's fine. And you know, like like we talked about at the very beginning, you know, I will I will reiterate that like for for particle monsters, which are so overdone, um, and also like such like a a cg ass cg effect you know yeah. i think these these look these look pretty good like i i think that it's mostly because we never get like a really good still in focus shot of them you know so all of this stuff is mm-hmm. like very uh the, the the camera is like in action mode you know so it's a lot of handheld stuff there's a lot of movement and i think that sort of like hides the shortcomings of those kinds of cg effects and i think it makes it overall it, like it's to the movie's benefit for and, sure and again whenever they're corporeal they had a they had a stand-in um and i think that those actors, yeah yeah um, there there are there are actually like, yeah. when Rafa gets tackled off-screen, like, there's a lot of weight to that. Mm-hmm. Um, those other sequences where, like, they're patrolling around, and they're kind of having to, like... The, the monsters are patrolling around, and the team is having to, like, you know, take them out one at a time. When they're patrolling, they're moving, like, it... Yeah, they, it feels like it's it, it, it takes a lot of exertion for them to even form. And again, too, like, there are times where it looks like they have, like, big, like, bull horns and shit, too. I, I thought that was, that was fun. Um, they aren't just, like, a cloud, and they aren't just, like people but particles like they are like some kind of weird monster and that that helps for me uh i'll tell you there is one complaint i have about the latter half the color grading up until that point the color grading is so fucking good in that movie and then at this half of the movie they do that 2000s like blue tint on on things and it what a waste like apart from that like the color grading is really good in this movie and i do well yeah in the the second half it it just feels so desaturated yeah, yeah, it's it was like, weird. Like a cloud that's moved in, and I get it, but I wish they hadn't like done it with like the blue tint. It's weird the way they do that too, because it's like they're at that dinner scene where he kills Remington, and then like 
the spirits show up immediately and like it it like becomes daytime all of a sudden just like suddenly mm-hmm. yeah and that's when like that weird color grading starts and it's just sort of like that for the rest of the movie I was a little confused by that as well. It sort of felt like they're like, we can't do this in the dark because then the the dark shadow monsters won't show up. So we gotta have it be daytime. But uh, a- it's an it's an unnatural it's an unnatural daytime. So we gotta do a weird color filter over it. But then it just ends up looking kind of bad. So with context, it kind of works. The problem is that we we don't have context during that point. So like. I'm not super justifying this, but the only way into um, Saloom is by crossing the Saloom River, and mm-hmm. um, the way, like, you know, our protagonist, like, has that problem with rivers, and, you know, so he has to sleep when he crosses it, um, and the way that, like, these these entities have held their sway over this realm is very, like, fey reminiscent to me, and there are, like, certain aspects that are beyond time, things get fucked with. We assume that has to do with why, like, the people, like, were scared out of their cabins at the beginning. So I think there's something to say for, like, not necessarily time sh- play, but, like, for, like, time of day, like, shifting, and all of that being okay. Uh, but yeah, they only, they only really do it once, like not enough to like establish a pattern. I don't think, Mm -hmm. which makes it feel like it's, it's a, like a a narrative decision that was impacted by like a technical need, right? It's like it needed, it needed to be daylight for like the monsters to read and for that stuff. But where the scene starts is at night. Like I, I don't know why you could, they couldn't have just like had them hide in their cabins all night until the daytime. Like I think that would have been okay. Whatever. It's it's a really minor thing. I but I do think it's like yeah. I, I agree that like the 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 change in the color grading during that part of the movie is really strange and it's no longer as like colorful and interesting as it was. It's, it's more just kind of like flat which is also you know when i feel like where it gets more narratively kind of flat too um yeah while, while i'm talking about things that left me feeling kind of flat just like the end of the movie sort of did as well because like there's there's the where they find like all of the boys like hidden or like locked away in the village and um you know they interrogate the the assistant again and he's like, you know, he was giving them to the the boys to like the demon king or whatever. And he's like, what is it like? He's not just doing this like out of the goodness of his heart. Like, what did he find here? You know, like, what did he find? And he's like, oh, he found the entity. And it's like, oh, OK, that sounds kind of cool. I wonder what that is. Then I'm I'm expecting a showdown with like a demon king. Right. And then. We don't really get that. They just kind of like escape in a boat and then a zombie Remington jumps out and grabs Shaka and pulls him into the river mirrored like when he was pulled into the river when he was a little boy and then he dies and then that's just kind of kind of it. I don't know. I was just I I feel like it was setting me up for something a little bit more climactic and then didn't quite follow through on that. Yeah, so, I was kind of expecting a little bit more as well. I'd like to hear what you thought, Cleve. Yeah, 
Yeah, so again, like I think with, with context, it's fine. But I, I like that, yeah, they, they think that they've made it out and uh, at the last moment as they're crossing the river. And like, it's a it's a chore to get Chaka even onto the boat. Um, like Awa has to, you know, convince him and she puts a blanket around him and sort of wraps him up and, you know, consoles him as they, they get in the boat and they haul ass, you know, out of uh, out of the town. Um, and uh, so like, you know, once again, like reinforcing, like he does not like rivers and they get partway through and they think that they're safe. And, um, at that moment, like, yeah, like, Omar, like, this horrible, like, apparition, zombie, charred zombie creature. Again, like, it looks like the other things, but more fully formed. Um, with, like, red, glowing, like, ashy, sudden demon and eyes and a mouth. Comes up over, and, uh, there's this evil Omar that, and he's like, oh, you know, like, Chaka, you know, you're not, you're not, I'm not finished with you, uh, the, like, the Demon King or whatever, like, still needs you. For, for work. Like, it still calls upon you. You're always meant to be that. Chaka falls into the water, and uh, a series of hands reach up around him, and we also cut back to the beginning, and we see a close-up of the child, and we see those same hands come up and pull him into the water, meaning in that, that first shot of the movie, when he goes off and he's pulled down in the distance, that's, you know, those the demons pulling him down. So, when he first tried to cross the Saloom River, when he was a kid, to escape, he made some sort of pact with them then that he had, you know, forgotten and sort of night and sort of a nightmarish memory. And um he just remembers this a fear of rivers. And uh so now he knows why that he was always meant to be the next like steward of this place. He, his return for revenge is also a pull, you know, back to this place to become its steward. I think that's cool because he and Omar have that whole conversation about like not being warriors anymore. You know, Omar has sort of become this like travel guide and steward and like Chaka was always bound to be that, and it's all bookended with the the quote about revenge being a a river. And uh, yeah, I, I thought it, I thought it worked fine. I thought it was, it was dope. And uh, Awa and Rafa get away. Also, Minwi's sacrifice is fucking dope. Like Minwi was is probably my favorite character, and him underneath that that uh, really like that giant, I don't know if it's a mangrove tree, but it has these huge, incredible roots. It looks like something out of, like, Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. It's really, like, it looks like like a fantasy tree. It's it's so fucking cool. And he's at the base of it, basically holding all of the demons in place, but he has to die for it to be maintained or whatever. So Chaka and Rafa have to shoot him before they escape. And it's, you know, they put their foreheads together again, and it's very affectionate. Nice having a movie like this where the characters are, like, well-developed and interesting and we care about them, so a sacrifice actually means something. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I said, like, a few scenes before, like, because Minwi just sort of has that aspect around of, around him, like, a, from an adventure movie, of, like, oh, the, if there's going to be a character that's sacrificed that we love, it's going to be Minwi. And I said, like, oh, man, if they kill, if they kill my, my sleep wizard, I'm going to be fucking mad. And sure enough, <laughs> like, he gets killed off. Like, and I was course. mad about it. I was upset. Like, it worked. It, 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 it I mean, he's... He is also, in fairness, the least developed character, pretty much. Like, he doesn't, like, he's got some stuff, but he doesn't talk a whole lot. He's sort of, he's a more mysterious character. So I think it... Sage? Like, I think it makes sense. doctor? Good to be Yeah, I mean, he's the obvious choice. (laughs) He's the obvious choice for for the character to make the sacrifice, I think. I think I'm good to rate. Yeah, same. Why don't you, why don't you start us off? Sure. Um, I think this is a really stylish, again, and really inventive movie. I love the high-concept nature of the monster. 
Um, but like we were saying earlier, um, I I kind of preferred the crime thriller aspect of the first half to the second half. Nonetheless, um, I am really looking forward to whatever this director does next. It's obvious that he has a lot of skills and he pulls a lot of inspiration from unique sources. So yeah, I, I think this one's worth checking out if you have the time and if you have Shudder. Um, I'm going to give it a three and a half out of five. Um, yeah, I, I overall really enjoyed this movie too. Um, same deal. Like I, I, I was kind of more invested in the first half and the second half um, before the supernatural elements were introduced. But man, like uh, really it, great characters, um, great, you know, looking film, great sense of style, great set design, great cost, costume design, great score. Um, would really love to see more movies like this um, get, you know, this kind of recognition. Uh, I think especially here in the West, um, films from that part of the world uh, do not typically like get any sort of uh, recognition. Um, so I, I would definitely like to see more of that. Yeah, I mean, it was a good movie. I'm going to give it a four out of five. Hell yeah. Yeah, I fully agree with all these, all, all the positives. I think um, uh, not only do I want to see what the director goes on to do, but I thought the whole cast were just so, like, we talked about how, like, swagged out they were and, like, how good their costumes were, but, like, I really can't emphasize enough that, like, I, their 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 acting was amazing um mm-hmm. and i know like yeah. they were acting they weren't like speaking in english um but like there, a lot of a lot of acting can transcend language and so much i mean or sign language for that matter and uh i think it did i thought that, like this whole cast was like really well uh like performed amazingly both like physically and also dramatically and um i'd love i'd love to see any of them in movies like they were great they were fucking cool the score was phenomenal. Um, it was like so many things I loved mashed together relatively cohesively and um, in a new and fun way. Uh, Predator, of course, is one of my all-time favorite films, so seeing an action horror movie is always a treat for me. And uh, again, normally I'd be bothered by the particle monsters, but here I actually, this I think uh, as particle monsters go, these might be my favorite. It's not perfect, though. I do still agree. It's a little jarring. I think like some of those things could have been better established um, in the back half. Uh, but there's still a lot of sequences I really like in the back half. So I'm going to give it a four and a half. I, I really love this movie. Well, that will give Saloom an average of four out of five. Yeah, definitely recommended, especially if you have Shudder. Um, expose yourself to some world cinema. It's worth it. Good movies get made in other parts of the world, too. Um, so, uh, yeah, definitely big recommendation. Um, big ups next to week, Sam for the recommendation too. Yeah, awesome. big ups, big ups to Sam. Thank you, Sam. Um, Sam always gives us good picks, so uh, that's why I love the Patreon pick episodes because it's always an opportunity for uh, for us to talk about something that usually we have not seen before um, a lot of the time. But um, next week we're returning back to uh, a tried and true classic. Uh, something that we have all seen before uh, multiple times is my pick, and we're going to talk about uh, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Oh, sick. Hell yeah. Oh, great yeah. Movie. yeah. Something that I think we've been, we've been needing to talk about on the show for a long time. Um, it's a great movie. It's the only one of uh, Carpenter's Apocalypse trilogy that we have not already discussed on the show. So 
uh, I'm looking forward to it. Well, uh, I guess that will bring us to the end of this week's episode. Um, if you like the show, please don't forget to give us a uh, five-star rating and review. We're an independent show. We don't advertise, so that's the best way to show your support for us and get more people listening to the pod. Um, you can also support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash podpeoplepod. Shout out to our honorary pod boys, Sam, Zach, and Micah. Um, especially this week, Sam, for the great recommendation. If you want to be like them and recommend us movies, then head over to Patreon. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at podpeoplepod and at letterbox.com slash podpeoplepod, where you'll find a list of all the films we've talked about on the show with our average ratings and links to those reviews. I'm on Twitter at some spooky snake and streaming monthly on Twitch at twitch.tv slash some spooky snake. That's it for me. For my recommendation corner for the week, um, I'm going to say engage with art. You know, that's what we do every week on the podcast. But yeah, boy. um, But Letterboxd is great for that. But if you're looking for other forms, rate your music is great for music. Backlogged is great for video games. Um, I recently found just earlier today, there's one for TV called Serialized. That seems pretty good as well. So, yeah, engage with uh, the the art you consume and think about it and write about it. And, uh, yeah, really reflect on how you feel about that stuff. Don't just mindlessly consume it. What Ben is saying is be like us and autistic up your media consumption. Well, yes. I don't, we, okay. I was going to say... Uh, uh, instead of engaging with art, engage with fart. Let a few rip this week. Um, that's my advice. Uh, Hell yeah. I, uh, wait, 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 wait. Does engage with fart mean farting or smelling a fart? Just, just farting. But... Like, engage. Let the fart go. Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm doing the enga- like the the point that Picard does when he says engage, but but you know for farting, and you just you know, let a few rip. You can do whatever you want after that, but, you know, just engage with fart. Um, you can smell it, too. Yeah, we've already got our gods like, Yeah, go check out the work of Dread XP. Probably terrible to do a shout-out after that, but whatever. Um, uh, there's all sorts of cool stuff. MFN is just around the corner. Um, get excited about that. It's it's going to be cool. Um, uh, all sorts of spooky puppet Resident Evil-esque horror. Uh, all right, that's it for me. All right, well, thanks for listening, um, and... Don't forget to join us next week to engage with Fart once again. I hear the drums echoing tonight And she hears only whispers of some quiet Conversation. She's coming in 12:30 flights. The moonlit wings reflect the stars that guide me towards salvation. I stopped an old man along the way, hoping to find some old forgotten words or ancient melodies. He turned to me. As if to say